Active Minority, a podcast for youth about the gospel. I'm your host, Jaquel, here with my co-host, pastor, and dad, Sean. Sean. How's it going to go? <laughs> you, know, you know, Dad, it is going all right. <laughs> I know. Here, here we are online recording just after having a very in-depth or a very intense conversation about how things are going. And then I ask you, how, how's it going? Like, how are you supposed yeah. to respond to that? Yeah. Right? I, things, it, are, things, things are not great, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it is difficult when somebody just asks you how you're doing and you don't want to get into an intense conversation or you don't have time or it's not the situation but you want to answer honestly it is very difficult because we've talked about this before like we just say fine and that's not actually honest but what do you say when you know you're not doing great but you know you're not going to have a huge conversation about it yeah i i I have to say uh i it was uh not last sunday but the sunday before I was speaking with a, a visitor at church afterwards and I was asking how things were, you know, how's things with this certain situation? And, you know, she says, oh, you know, this, that, the other thing. And, and how's things with one of your siblings? Oh, you know, this, that. And then I said, and how's things with you? And she said, well, quite frankly, it's pretty expletive. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to say the word, but I just kind of looked at her. And you know what? It didn't throw me in the slightest. I just kind of looked at her and went, Yep. I mean, like things are just, things are just rough all around. So it's like, this is not a big surprise. Things are rough all around for everybody. Like this is just the the time in history that we're living in. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, an interesting situation. And and for our friends in uh, America, I, I assure you the situation in Canada is worse. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. The situation get when I look around at things in America, there's places in America where, for the most part, things have gotten back to normal. Mm. Where whereas here, things just keep getting, you know, they, they just keep getting. <laughs> how shall I put it worse? But anyway, anyway. besides that, <laughs> you know, besides uh, the 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 situation in the world, like you know, how's uh, how's things going with you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, today, um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I I don't know. Th- what things are, we are all to talk right. about? Um, we can talk about how many Hallmark Christmas movies I have oh. watched this year already. Okay, so this is a great conversation. So you told oh, me about no. that, and and then I have something to tell you about Christmas movies. So how many Hallmark Christmas movies have you watched this year? Okay, well this this was not the response I was expecting at all. <laughs> I should just say this um, is a great thing to talk about. I, I must say, <laughs> I'm I'm pro- I. I'm confidently in double digits at this point. Oh, Jaquel, <laughs> I am ashamed. Well, I mean, we're going to have two responses here, either shame or just honor and uh, <laughs> being impressed. Well, uh, no, no, so, it, it's definitely going to be shame. It's not going to be honor, I assure you that. Including three rewatches of movies I oh. have actually watched in the past. Th- rewatches, wow, yes. that's, that's uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to you, Jaquel. Well, with with the volume of movies, of Christmas movies that Hallmark puts out every year, rewatches are like the highest compliment you can give a movie. So for all my fellow Hallmarky fans out there, (laughs) Snowden Christmas is still, it's still the top. It's still the top. I still wonder how you can watch these movies once, let alone twice. I'll I'll, I'll tell you that. And and furthermore, it astounds me that you have a husband i don't know if he wants me to say this on air but a husband that watches these movies with you like mom can watch all the hallmark movies she wants to watch but you can believe that i am not going to be sitting next to her and if i am i will have a book or my phone in front of me well he can only take so many right he's watched (laughs) one i think oh only one okay maybe two maybe two but uh well okay like this is the thing right when (laughs) 
life is not really going great (laughs) and your circumstances are very unpredictable and unstable, sometimes comfort television, comfort entertainment, these Hallmark movies, they're very predictable, all right? They're very safe, they're very clean, and they feel good right now. The the word you're looking for, Jaquel, is escape. Escape reality. I mean, I mean, sometimes I think that can be appropriate. Okay, all right. Well, I have to tell you something about Mom and I and Christmas movies. Okay, um, we we are on a streak of bad Christmas movies. Like I, hmm. I think I, I actually think that uh, our, I said to her last night. I think you know this year should be the year of bad Christmas movies. So just look for bad Christmas. Like none of this White Christmas or, or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or or uh, or you know th- those are great Christmas movies. I think we should just focus on bad Christmas movies. Okay, so think? like, give me give me examples here. Like, are we talking like B movies? Like- well, well, the the the, the premier example is uh, uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. Okay, yep. Now I got it. That's okay, so that, that movie is what I need to know. so bad. It is, and 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 somehow your grandfather, I think, watches it every year. I mean, watches it. Quote, you know, like yeah. I, I don't know how much he pays attention, how much he sleeps, but that movie is so bad. And and, and there's just some some like second rate movies that kind of came out in the eighties that like. I, I think they were not intended to be B movies, but they're so bad, and so 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 we're in a we're in a streak. I mean, my streak. I mean, I only need a couple, but still, you know, we've watched a couple movies and just man, they're bad movie. But anyway, we watch it anyway. There you, you know? go. So so there you go. I'm just thinking it should be the year of bad Christmas. Movies. We tried to watch last night. We tried to watch um, a good Christmas movie, which is Elf. Yes. Uh, which you know, it's just fun. Like whatever people think about it, but but we tried to watch that last night, and uh, it's not streaming anywhere in Canada. Oh. Yeah, it's not not on any of the services, and we have pretty much most of them. So, well, so that's if you're with us. if you're looking for your hardcover copy of Elf, I have it. Oh, oh, really? Well, see, all our all our DVDs and Blu-rays are packed away. Okay. So, so, and, and Mom was like, you know, I think a while back she's like something about a movie, and I said it's not happening. Like we would have to unpack our entire storage room to find it, and it's no, it's 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 there. Well, this is very funny to me because I commented to mom a week or two ago. I was like, hey, just so you know, I have a handful of your Christmas movies. If you're looking for one, let me know. And she's like, Hmm. we have every streaming service right now. We should not need it. But that's so funny. You you would think. Now, so so what else do you have besides Elf? Uh, I have Mickey's Christmas Carol. Another classic. Well, we got Disney, so we got that one. Uh, And then I have Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. I think that one's on Disney Plus too. And then I have Going My Way and Holiday Inn. Oh, okay. Have you uh, have you watched Elf? Not this year, no. Are you gonna watch Elf? Uh, probably, but I, I'll yeah. I can just bring it to you. Nah, nah. Or... Whenever you whenever you watch, I mean, I don't even know if we'll get to it. I mean, we really don't need to talk about this on the on the pod. <laughs> so you know, we, we talk about movies. How about yes. books? You reading any, any good books lately? Dad, I'm so thrilled that you asked because yes, I'm reading a number of books right now and I would just love to tell you and maybe the listeners about them. Well, let, let me say this. I, I always think it's kind of a cop-out when we do a what we're reading episode, but this one is not totally a cop-out. The reason for this is because as usual, Jaquel is working on her Christmas extravaganza. What do we call that episode? Yeah, the, the Christmas extravaganza. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Best so episode Jaquel's, of the year. Jaquel's working on the Christmas extravaganza, and, and we have a series that we're going to tease at the end of this episode. Um, and so we just needed something to go in between. And we thought, hey, you know, let's talk about what we're reading. So so this is it. So I don't even know. It'd be interesting to know how many of these we've done. Do you know? I don't know. I mean, for, for any of our listeners, you know, we'd like to read and we like to talk about what we're reading. And, and like, 
I, I don't know about you, but sometimes with these, uh, at least with the books I'm reading, because I don't just read fiction like somebody else we know. Oh, my which, goodness. Which, did you notice I got a call out in the sermon on Sunday? You did. Because I don't read fiction. Anyway, yep, we, won't, we, won't mention, we won't mention who that was. But uh, anyway, um, so, uh, but but sometimes with these, uh, with these, what we're reading, you know, you kind of get into some stuff too. And I, I especially have one book I'm reading I just started that has some stuff that people will, will learn from even just as I talk about what I'm reading. So anyway, all of that is to say, Jaquel, what is the first book that you're reading right now? Okay, so this is a book I did actually mention on the pod a few weeks ago. So I'll start with it and get it out of the way. And that no. is Becoming Elizabeth Elliot by Ellen Vaughn, which oh, okay. is a biography of Elizabeth Elliot and focuses primarily on her earlier years to, I don't know exactly when it stops, like her her 30s or something but it focuses very extensively on her childhood on the very long uh like leaning up to her relationship with Jim Elliot their marriage uh like how she she got into bible translation all this stuff and it is interesting i'm reading it with mom and i think i, I was just going to ask if this was the book cuz mom told me something uh, 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 kind of something that she has come to realize about Elizabeth Elliot, but I'd be interested to know your, your, what, what are your overall thoughts on Elizabeth Elliot after reading this book? Or, or well, I guess you're in, the, are you in the midst of reading Yeah, it? I'm in, I'm in the okay. middle of it still. So, so um, what are your thoughts on her? So it has helped me understand her better because when you only read, I, I had read several books by her, right. um, but to hear more about her personality, hear other people describe her, see her journal entries, yeah. I mean, and I think this is maybe even something I mentioned on the pod, but she was, she was, how do I describe it? Like, <laughs> I assume she, you're thinking the same thing as mom was, was she, mentioning like, to me. She was a tough woman and she right. seemed in, in many ways, people thought she was a very cold woman right? Kinda because hard. she did, did not express her feelings. And this is something that in, so yeah. fun, fun little story. When she met Jim Elliott's family for the first time, yeah none of them liked her because they thought she was super <laughs> off-putting. They thought she was rude. Huh. They thought she was super chilly all because chilly. she didn't show her emotions. And there's a quote from Jim Elliot at some point when they were dating where he's like, I would give anything to see you cry. And she's like, <laughs> no, like that's just, that's just not me. So, so, so would you, so would it be accurate to, and I still haven't figured out this word, but would it be accurate to call her a little crunchy? Uh, no, like crunchy. Crunchy, crunchy? crunchy is like excessively healthy, like like what? obsessed with nutrition and stuff. Oh, I'm mixing that up with some other word. Is so, there's yeah, just some no. other modern word that would describe her? Uh, it's not coming to me. Look, crunchy is okay. like the people that make their own granola oh, and that, that makes sense. Milk goats and okay. stuff. My bad. I'm sorry. She's not crunchy at all. <laughs> no. I, I, well, maybe maybe she was crunchy. We don't know. I mean, I don't really get that uh, feeling you from her. You probably didn't eat a lot of cheeseburgers. I don't know. She grew up in a very affluent, or not affluent, but a very like prim and proper family. Yeah, true. So I don't think she was that okay. crunchy. All right. Sorry, sorry to sidetrack you. Is there anything else you want to say about the book? No, it is. It's really interesting. And the biographer is excellent. Uh, she hmm. is not, um, uh, she is, how should I put this? She is pretty honest about Elizabeth okay. Elliot yeah. and is comfortable talking about her faults, does not idolize her, does not put her on a pedestal, gives a very just human picture of her while also honoring her for for the godliness she really oh, did yeah. exemplify. Um, she is truly, was, is a, a great mother of the faith, um, someone that 
we definitely should all aspire to to be more like in her spiritual life. So the biographer herself, Ellen Bond, uh, she does a wonderful job. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Okay, I mean uh, Elizabeth Elliot has got to be one of the most quotable women in church history, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Like, y- you see those quotes e- everywhere from her, and they're always golden. Like they're it's just like, see, that's all I really know about Elizabeth Elliot because I've never read any of, her, any of her books, but I've seen quotes from her, and they're always just like wow, like they always just hit you. So Well, and that's because she was such a prolific writer. She wrote so much. And then after she died, like a lot of her journals, well, even before she died, many of her journals uh, have been published as well. So she didn't just write books, but since she was a teenager, she has been, she was journaling diligently. Mm -hmm. So we do have so, so much from her and so much good content. Okay. All right. Um, so the, the first book that I'm going to mention is a book I actually just finished. And I don't know, I might have mentioned this on a previous episode about vacation or something like that. I don't know if I did, but it's a book by Dave Murray. Uh, his friend's called Dave, you know, on, of course. On, the, on, on the book he's uh, listed as David. We we actually met him once, didn't we? Yes. I've had, a, a, I've had a few. I've yeah, you have some interest. He actually wanted to write a, read a book with you, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Yes. That yeah. is true. That's it didn't never never worked out, but anyway, um, okay. So so the book book is called Reset, and uh, I mentioned this because I know there's some pastors that uh, that listen to our pod, and uh, and this was a it's a book written just for pastors. It's it's it just narrows right in on pastors. It's not you know it's not one of these books that there's kind of an application for others. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who's not a pastor or anybody who's not uh, aspiring to be a pastor. Um, there's also a companion book. I want to say it's called Refresh. It is, yeah, and it's by his wife. And what is his wife's name? She's got a very unique name. It starts with an SH, I think. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, that's quick. right. You're looking up. Anyway, this this book was, you know, uh, it was fine. It, it was it was good. It was, there was really, I mean, I've been a pastor for, how long have I been a pastor to kill? I mean, I, I've been a pastor at this church for 12 years. And prior to that, uh, I mean, I guess I'm going on 20, 25 years. Anyway, I, I've been a pastor for a while. And so there was nothing new in this book, but they were good, good reminders, you know, about how important it is to get good, good rest, uh, good sleep. Uh, uh, you know, uh, how important it is to, um, I, I mean, I mean, to eat right and exercise and, and all of these things that usually pastors don't read too much about. So it was, it was helpful. It was helpful reminders for me. And, and like I say, any pastor out there uh, will benefit from it, even if there's nothing new in it to you. There, there might be new stuff. Maybe you haven't thought about how important sleep is and, and how important exercise is. And there's other things too. Like he focuses on, on, on remembering that your identity is not in being a pastor, but your identity is in Christ. And, and so, you know, there, there's all kinds of other stuff there. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's a good book. It will be helpful for you. Uh, there might be some new stuff in it for you, especially for young pastors out there. So Reset by uh, Dave Id, <laughs> by David Murray. And first book I'll mention. The companion is is refresh and it's by yeah. Shona Murray and that one Shona. is written that one's written for women. I've read it. If you don't have to be a pastor's <laughs> wife, um, but that one is also very good. Okay, and the reason I say it's unique is because the only ever other time I've ever heard the name Shona was one of mom's dogs as a child. Oh. So, uh, you know, no no disrespect there, but I'd never heard the name Shona before, but when I, I read it in this book I was like, "Oh, there you go." There so, you go. Anyway, uh, all right, book number two for a uh, Jack Hill. Okay, so this is one that Joe and I actually just started reading together, nice. and this is a reread for both of us, but it is Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. Um, oh, so man. again, as we mm. mentioned, you know, there's when life is throwing yeah. lots of curveballs at right? you and you're struggling. And, and this is actually how Randy Alcorn starts the book that he's like, if you are weary, if you are discouraged, this is the book for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're reading heaven together to get 
get that eternal perspective back and, and get focused on the, the joy to come. Yes, outside of the Bible, the best book on heaven. No so question about it. No, no, you just, you just, when you mentioned that you and uh, you and Joe were reading a book, that reminds me of another book I just finished. Now, I told you I was just going to mention four books, but this is kind of a bonus book. Okay. Um, because you said you had five, but anyway, I'm going to uh, mention this one real quick and then just get on to another one. And that is the book Conscience by ah. Andy Nacelli and J.D. Crowley. Mom and I just read that together. And that was another, that was a reread for me as well. And that is, man. In this day and age where there are differing opinions on things such as vaccines and viruses, things that are not mentioned explicitly in the Bible, mm-hmm. the issue of conscience is something that Christians need to understand. So so that book is an excellent book. I highly commend it to you all. But that's not my, my second book. My second, that's just a bonus book. My second book is a, a book called The Anxiety Cure. It's got a, a long subtitle, The Anxiety Cure. Uh, no, actually, it just there's just some writing on the front of the book. So the book is just called The Anxiety Cure. Um, it's by Archibald Hart. What a now, name. interesting thing about this book is I had never heard of it. I have read a lot of books on anxiety. As, as a pastor, that's something that you need to understand because you're going to counsel people that deal with anxiety. As well, a lot of pastors and wives deal with anxiety and, and depression because of the pressures of ministry. But the interesting thing about this book is that I had never heard of it until I read Reset. And while I was reading Reset, he mentioned a pastor who was dealing with anxiety, and he referenced this really good book. So now I looked up this book on on, uh, Scribd, which is where I read almost all my books, and and it had the most outdated cover I've ever seen. (laughs) It's it's like I looked at it and I thought, you know what? Uh, If I was judging a book by its cover, I never would have read this book. But I have started reading this book. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I find most interesting about this book is that he, he, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he, he addresses in this book something that a lot of authors don't address, uh, a lot of Christian authors when they deal with books uh, or when they deal with the issue of anxiety, and that's drugs. He, he addresses the issue of drugs and, and when drugs may be necessary, and he explains all the different drugs and how they, how they work and all that thing. And I, I mean, I find that super helpful because as you well know, Jacob, when people come to me and they talk to me about whether or not they need drugs, my first response is, hey, I am not a medical doctor, mm-hmm. you know, so, so I don't know, like, that's not my field of expertise. I can help you deal with the spiritual element and help you see, you know, uh, I mean, differentiate between, you know, your anxiety and, and whether or not, uh, you know, and, and what things you need to apply from scripture and whatnot, and whether it's sin and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but when it comes to whether or not you need drugs, and you know, my position on that, it's kind of... Mm-hmm. I kind of try to take a middle middle road. Like there's certain, certain like the, what he refers to all drugs are as are tranquilizers, which is essentially what they are. You know, you know, you're looking for tranquility, and and his his point is that tranquilizers will never deal with an, an issue ongoing, but they might be needed temporarily. And he also addresses the fact that some people actually do have medical conditions where they need specific drugs, um, not necessarily tranquilizers, but other kinds of drugs that will help them deal with specific physical problems. So anyway, it's just, um, you know, I, I was just thinking, I, it's not normally a book that I would mention in a, what we're reading on the pod, but in this, as we mentioned, in this day and age when, you know, uh, anxiety is becoming something very real for people that it hasn't been up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, given the circumstances in the world and in the church and at home, I mean, a lot of people are dealing with anxiety. It's a, it's a huge topic. And, and I'm finding this book really interesting so far. I'm only, I'm, I'm about five chapters in. 
Okay. And so, um, you know, it's just something that uh, if you, you know, what I want to say is if there are young people listening that are, that do struggle with anxiety, um, you really need to talk to your folks about it. And, and, and furthermore, it wouldn't be hurt. Uh, it wouldn't be unhelpful to talk to your pastor. Uh, you know, if you have a youth pastor or senior pastor, whatever the mm-hmm. case, um, you need to talk to somebody about it. And, uh, and I just thought that uh, I'd bring up that book just to, to take a second to encourage young people or pastors if they're listening uh, to know that they're not alone. And uh, yeah, there you go. And whether you struggle with anxiety or not, you should definitely look up this book just to see the cover because it is, un- <laughs> it looks like a, the 70s exploded on the cover. I, I don't even know what to, what to it, say. It totally does. I'm not even sure when it was written. Let's Let's look at the copyright page. Uh, see, here's the crazy thing about this, Jaquel. It was the copyright is 1999. Okay, look, I, I, but it totally I looks like it's from the 70s. You're right. Look, I support the economy. I support people <laughs> with their jobs, but whoever designed that cover, I hope they were fired and found the field that was right for them. Yeah, it's 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 not a good cover. I have no idea what the cover. It's it's like, hey, I don't know what really to do with this cover, so let's just put some funky colors on it. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely looks like it was designed in Word with like yeah. the suggested. Le- anyways, yeah, it's very strange. Anyway, uh, it's a super interesting book so far. I, 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 I mean. Honestly, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, how do I put this? Sometimes I read a book and I'm like, man, you know, I'm down with everything. You know, like he's just he's just scratching where I itch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And other times I'm kind of like, hmm, I'm gonna reserve my I'm gonna reserve my assessment until the very end. This one I'm kind of like I'm liking where he's going and I'm liking what he's saying. I'm just I'm not sure if I'm gonna go with him all the way to the end. So yeah. Anyway, fascinating book. Uh, like I said, I've read a lot of books on anxiety. I mean, you know, I just t- I taught a study on anxiety and depression. Uh, and and I think what I used a total of like 10 or 12 books in, in preparing that series. And so, you know, like I say, there's a lot out there. This one's unlike the rest. So interesting stuff. There you go. Well, that that is actually a good transition to my okay. next book, especially that comment about a book where you're reserving reserving kind of final consensus yeah. until the end. So I, as our listeners probably know, as you know, I'm always interested in the parenting books. Right. I often yeah. have a parenting book on the go. And I'm reading one right now that's a little bit different because it is not written by a believer. And okay. it is called Hunt, Gather, Parent. By I love that title. Michaeline Duclef. Michaeline? And Michaeline, yes, very Michaeline. another another unique name. We got Shona's, okay. we got Michaeline's. Okay. Uh, so she is a reporter. She worked for NPR for several years, and the premise of this book is that she had a child and started applying all of the Western parenting philosophies to parenting this child, and found herself just stressed and overwhelmed constantly trying to parent with many of the the modern practices that are encouraged. Um, And then she started traveling around the world and especially to indigenous people groups and started learning about other parenting practices that are actually go way back further into history than our, our Western practices and discovered that North American parenting philosophies are very modern (laughs) and backed by very little research and are frequently ineffective. I mean, if you look at uh, our current teenagers' rates of anxiety and depression compared to any other culture in, in the world, but especially to like indigenous cultures, it is 
it is a mammoth cavern between mm-hmm. the two. Like their their kids yeah. are not struggling the way that our kids are struggling. Right. Um, and so the the premise of the book is she goes around and she s- spends time with these cultures, talks to parents, talks to kids, and has sort of um, uh, put all her research together to talk about what these cultures can can share with us in ways that uh, current Western parenting practices could, could be failing our kids. And like I said, she is not a believer. Mm-hmm. So you're still kind of filtering everything through sure. through your Christian worldview. There's some stuff that I, I definitely am like, okay, I would not apply that the same yeah. way. But a lot of stuff, and I, I mentioned this to you before, Dad, like I, I like reading a, a lot yeah. of secular parenting research because there's like so yeah. much like, look at all this data and these numbers that back <laughs> up what the Bible has been teaching about parenting yeah. for thousands of years. And it's like, obviously, I don't need the, the data and the stats yeah. to trust and believe the Bible. Um, but as someone who, you know, I believe the science and faith Mm -hmm. go together and that God did design the world and and relationships to work in such a way um, that they are their, their best, like holistically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all this stuff. So yeah. So I'm enjoying the book so far. That, 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 that does sound really cool. Uh, and, And I think, you know, I think that's a good encouragement to, to readers or to young people, to anybody who's listening to, to read outside your comfort zone every now and then. I mean, we, you and I have talked a lot about discernment over the years, and uh, this is one of the reasons why discernment is so important because you need to be able to read things and discern what is good, what is bad, what is just helpful to know. And so, no, I think that that's really good. Um, Okay. So my next book is uh, an interesting book. It's called The Devil's Music, How Christians Inspired, Condemned, and Embraced Rock and Roll. Hmm. Now, as you, well, I think you know this, Jaquel, but I, I grew up in the days when Christian rock was becoming a thing. Right. And so, um, and so I, I, I had never heard of this book and I, how did I come across it? I was looking for a biography. I like to read biographies. You know that, um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to reading books that are not of a theological nature, I like to read interesting biographies. And and somehow I came across this book. I don't know who the author is. Well, I, I know his name, but I don't know anything about him. It's called Randall J. Stevens. Uh, sorry, his name is Randall J. Stevens. So I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about him. I don't know his theology. I don't even know if he's a believer for that matter. I know nothing about him. I, I think he is because who is the, I think the publisher, I want to say the publisher is... Zondervan. Uh, no, it's not. The publisher is Harvard University Press. Huh. So, so I have I have n- no idea about him. Anyway, he is writing about when you know when Christian rock basically came onto the scene, and and he's t- I mean basically what he's uh, I mean most people today Christians they just Christian rock is a thing. There's Christian rock. There's Christian rap. There's Christian you name it. There's Christian hard rock. Yeah. There's Christian Christian death metal. There's I mean you name it. I, I mean I just posted a, a one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time on Facebook the other day. It's a song called Lowborn and it's by Oh Jaquel, who's it by? It's by Oh goodness, I totally forget who it's by. Uh, anyway, Jaquel's going to link to it in the show notes. There's a YouTube video of it, and and, it, and it's it's a uh, it's like I guess you would call it screamo. I don't know. Anyway, I love it. it. But if I had posted that song as a pastor, even 20 years ago, 
uh, it probably would have meant losing my job. Like, I am not kidding you. And so this book is all about the history of, of where Christian rock came from. It's called The Devil's Music because that is what it was called. Like back, so so back in the day when I started, uh, you know, getting into listening to music and stuff as a teenager, there really wasn't much Christian rock. And so I got into whatever rock was out there, you know, ACDC and Van Halen and, and all that kind of stuff. And then Christian rock started coming around and all I heard everywhere was how, oh, you should listen to that music. It's the devil's music. But that went back even further before like Van Halen and stuff. It was like when Elvis Presley came out, mm. you know, the church was denouncing this kind of music. And and, and so anyway, this is just a, how it, what it seems is that it's just a history of of where Christian rock came from, how the church has addressed it throughout the years and, and what, what it's arrived at. So, uh, I mean, I'm only uh, one chapter in and I'm, I'm hook, line and sinker because it's just, it, it's scratching all my itches mm-hmm. because it's just a history of, of where Christian music came from. And, and I think the title is, is brilliant, you know, because this is what it was when it first came around. Like it's important that young people understand that Christian music wasn't always a thing. And, and the church actually tried to get rid of it. And then, I think realized that, Hey, you know, musical style is musical style, right? It's, it's the content of the lyrics that is uh, important. So anyway, that's uh, that's my book number. I guess that's only my official book. Number three. Book yes. number two. I don't know. I think so. Wow. That book sounds right up your alley. That if, if, I, if I had to pick a book like on a, on a cultural moment on like, a thing, I know. That, that would be your topic. I know, and I didn't even know this book existed. So that's I am, uh, I, I am loving it. That's my one fun book I'm reading. I mean, all my books I'm reading right now are good, but that's my fun book right now. Okay, well, my next book is not quote unquote my fun book, but oh. it is, it is very good. It is actually the opposite of my fun book. It is my most stretching, challenging book Ooh. right now, and that oh, is that is a book. You know, I'm reading this book, The Mystery of Christ. His Covenant and His Kingdom by Samuel <laughs> Renahan. You know, uh, I seem to think that this might have been one of my books on a previously what we're reading Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Because you read this book with my husband a long yep. time ago. Uh, yep. So I'm reading this book with a friend. And yeah. I mean, it's not like the kind of book that you really have a lot to discuss as much as you just kind of process together maybe or discuss things that (laughs) confuse you or or whatnot um so i'm only two chapters into it but i am finding it incredibly helpful so far so so it is it's a book about about the covenants about covenantalism from a a particular baptist perspective oh look at you you know, politically correct. I know. Particular Baptist. I know. Well, okay. So one thing I'm loving about this book is he, <laughs> Samuel Renahan, draws heavily from Reformed Baptist or particular Baptist history. And yeah. I'm learning all these names and just picking up mm. this history that I have not been aware of. And back in our one of our Reformation Day episodes, we talked extensively about what it means that we're Reformed Baptists. Um, but I, I still feel like there's big gaps in in my knowledge uh, especially when it comes to the view of of the covenants and some of that history that church history in yeah in in this particular circle so i it's it's not an easy book but samuel renahan is an excellent writer mm-hmm. and he's a good communicator and he does he does write and speak plainly and uses good illustrations i think um so yeah, it's is. 
it's not one of those books that it's like, oh, only only scholars and students can understand. But it's still no. a book that is going to is going to challenge your thinking. And for me, uh, is on different different areas or even different, different topics that I just haven't thought that deeply about. And so I have to use different reading muscles and and really think uh, just like more more intentionally on it. And I'm really enjoying that because I love to have a book like that on the go. Yeah, that is, oh man, that book is golden. It's so good. Love that book. Mm. All right. Um, so I guess, I think this is my last book. Yep, it's I only have one more. more. Yeah, there, and then there's, is that the one that we talked about ending with? No. Okay, so I guess we're out of order here, but that's okay. Um, so my last book is called, and, I, and it's a book I just started. It's called uh, 40 Questions About Typology and Allegory. And it's by Mitchell L. Chase. And I started reading this on the recommendation of your friend and my friend, the friend who lives in this podcast forevermore, uh, Steve Mullins. <laughs> yes, the person but, who's uh, literally mentioned so much on this show. Yeah, too, too much really. But anyway, I have to give him credit. He recommended it to me. And uh, it is it is amazing. I'm only, uh, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm four or five questions in. It, if you've not read one of the 40 questions books, um, they are amazing. They are so good. Um, there's all kinds of them. There's 40 questions of about biblical interpretation, um, 40 questions. I think there's 40 questions about end time, 40 questions about biblical law. There's, I mean, they are so well-written and they're, they're all, I mean, all of them I've used so far have been excellent and they're really good. They're, they're good to read through just question one through 40, but they're also good reference materials because they're basically just each, each chapter addresses mm -hmm. a question. And so this book is on typology and allegory. And, and those are two things that I think a lot of Christians have not thought that much about. One of the reasons that that's the case is because allegory, which is basically um, a, an allegory, is a text that basically has a deeper meaning. And so, like, for example, um, in Isaiah chapter 5, you've got um, God planting a garden and that garden producing bad fruit. Well, it's not really about a garden. It's really about Israel, who is is uh, disobeying God. That's the bad fruit. Or, or for example, another um, another uh, well known allegory would be in Ezekiel thirty seven with the dry bones. And so you've got the you know the bones coming together and, and life coming about. Um, but but really, that's not actually talking about dry bones coming to life. It's talking about God restoring Israel after the Babylonian captivity. It's about God restoring them back to the promised land. And so, so that, that's an allegory. Now, what happened throughout history is that allegory became very misused because if, if a text can have a deeper meaning, well, how is it that you find that deeper meaning? People were coming up with all kinds of crazy quote unquote, deeper meanings for these texts. And so all of a sudden the church reacted against that. And 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 now really uh, for a, a large portion of church history, allegory has been looked at with a very, <laughs> very, uh, a, a more than cautious eye. And so um, uh, guys like um, Craig Carter and and Mitchell Chase and others, they're, they're, they're turning around. And, and another uh, favorite one of mine, Paul Hoskins, one of my pros from seminary, is, is turning around and going, oh, hold on a minute here. There, there are, and actually, sorry, Paul Hoskins writes on typology, but but there, there's authors and they're saying, hold on a second here. Um, there are things that are intended to be interpreted allegorically. So if a biblical author wrote something and he intended for it to have a deeper meaning, then we need to find that deeper meaning or we're not being faithful to the text. Mm. 
So, so there's allegory. Typology is, is a little easier to understand. Uh, it's similar. Typology and allegory are similar. So with typology, ty- typology is, is wherein a person, a place, or a thing points to another person or place or thing. And so, um, for example, you've got, um, and, 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 and we see this clearly in scripture, uh, like for example, in Matthew, we read that, uh, that Jonah was a type of Jesus. So just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, Jesus was in the, the heart of the earth for three days. Um, or, or for example, you've got, uh, the author of Hebrews telling us that the, the priests offered sacrifices daily, but Jesus offered a, uh, a sacrifice once and for all. So, so the priests are the type and Jesus is the anti-type. He, he is the one who fulfills the, the type. And so a, a type, like I said, is a person, place, or thing, which, which uh, points forward to or prefigures or foreshadows something else. Anyway, all of that is to say that this is something that Christians truly need to understand because if we don't understand it, we're going to misinterpret the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is going to help us understand the Bible better. I mean, I bet you a lot of our listeners uh, can think to themselves if they've been reading through the Bible, like they probably have a hard time understanding how it all fits together. So something like this is going to help you understand how it all fits together. And the great thing about it is that you might have some question about this. Like, how do I know, uh, you know, exactly what typology is or where can I find uh, types in the Bible or things like that? You know, you can look at this book and it just has the questions laid out. You can just mm-hmm. go to that chapter, read that chapter, that addresses a specific question or the other thing about it like i got a lot to say about this obviously but but the other thing about it is that you might just look at the table of contents in this book and question you'll see questions there questions that you hadn't ever thought to ask yeah. and, and they're important questions to ask so uh, I, I mean i'm only like i say i'm only a, a tenth into it <clears throat> but uh, i am loving it so far and uh, grateful that it was recommended to me so oh. that is uh, 40 questions about typology and allegory by mitchell Nice. Well, the typology chapter was the last chapter I read in The Mystery of Christ. He he addresses that too. Yeah. And it is a wonderful chapter. And and one thing that he does so well is talk about why Christians should care about typology and why it matters in your understanding of, well, for him, the covenants, but not Mm -hmm. only the covenants, like your entire understanding of scripture and salvation history and, and all this stuff. So that might seem like an area that is intimidating or confusing, but yeah, it it definitely is is one that Christians should care about. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what's next? Okay. So my other book is another reread and it is one that a very niche group of people would be interested in. And that is The Baby Catcher by Peggy Vincent. What? (laughs) The The Baby baby Catcher? catcher? Yes. So it is, it is a memoir of a midwife in California who was one of the first licensed midwives there and is basically just a compilation of her entire career and, uh, many, many birth stories of women that she attended. Uh, like I said, most many people will not be interested in this at all. And I would not recommend that young readers read it without uh, some parental oversight yeah. because, graphic, I bet. It, you know, childbirth is, <laughs> is messy. Uh, and yeah. especially being a, a midwife in California. And she's, she's, I don't think she's a believer. And she does talk about just like some of the, the sexual revolution movement and, right. and whatnot going on. So I, yeah, the, you know, use, use discernment, use caution with this. But I read this book first when I was pregnant with Lucy and it, it um, just really showcases 
the miracle of childbirth okay. really well. Mm. And for me, made me really excited to, to give birth and just talks about, again, someone that I don't know if she would say she's a believer or not. She does use some scripture in it anyways, but just like another example of reading these stories that point to the beauty of God's design and being able to just reflect on how amazing it is that God created things to work this way, how amazing pregnancy and childbirth are, what, what gifts and blessings they are. Um, and yeah, to just help, help me with uh, any, any fear about birth coming up. I find that, yeah, just thinking, thinking about the miracle that it is and reflecting on positive birth stories is, I find it really enjoyable. So that is another book I'm reading. I, I appreciate your explanation because my next question was going to be, why are you rereading this book? But that, that makes perfect sense when you yeah. explain why you're reading it. Okay. So the, the, the last book, right? Yep. The, the last book we're both, this is both that we're both reading. This is the book that we're reading together. And yep. I think we have mentioned this before, but we're going to mention it again. It's called Arminian Theology, Myth and Re- Myths and Realities by Roger E. Olson. So this is a book, obviously, Obviously, Jaquel, about Armenian theology, and and Jaquel and I are reading it because we actually are proponents of Calvinist theology. Mm-hmm. But it's always important to understand your um, opponents, people who believe differently than you do. Yeah, people definitely the different, the different viewpoints. Yeah, yeah, and so so we we kind of tried to find the best of the best. I've read some horrible, horrible, horrible books on Arminian theology that I wouldn't recommend to anybody. But I had, I've, I've heard good things about Roger Olson and I had understood that he was kind of the scholarly Arminian out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been reading that and having a, a good time yeah. at, at times. Also, it's been a little frustrating at times. Uh, Jaquel received some late night texts from me about <laughs> frustrating things that I'm yes. reading in the book, but I find it really helpful to read it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reason that we're including this last book is to tease a series that we have coming up after the Christmas extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Now, I should let our listeners know, well, we're, we're going to mention this as well next week, that we're not going to drop episodes on the 24th or the 31st. You've got more important things to do yeah. than listen to podcasts on the 24th and 31st. If you want to listen to more of us on those two days, go listen to past episodes. We've yeah, got like eight, we have eight hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds. We have five years worth of episodes you can catch G- up Gillions on. and gillions of them, a number <laughs> I just made up. Um, but anyway, the, the reason I bring up this book is because we're going to do a series on the five points of Calvinism. And, and this is going to be a, a crazy interesting series because it's going to be part of our casual conversation series like we've never we've talked about issues related to calvin we've even addressed you know things like the sovereignty of god in that nature but we've never actually broken down the five points of calvin and talked about it and i thought it would just be a whole lot of fun to have a casual conversation about them so whether you are a calvinist or not uh, i think it will be helpful to hear us have a casual conversation about those five points and 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 might give you some things to consider so that's going to be coming up in the new year Our, our very first episode of 2022 is going to be on total depravity yeah, where are oh, minds right now? Nobody what, has what, any a way, idea. what a way to start a new year, right, Jaquel? Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, okay. Well, um, so where can people find us if I don't know they want to? Oh, we'd love to know what you're reading. Absolutely. We told you what we're reading. You tell us what you're reading. 
Yeah, Where well, can they, they find us? They can hit us up on our website, ageofminority.com. They can email us at Jaquel or Sean at ageofminority.com. They can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if they would like to, you know, get ready for the Christmas season, give us a little early Christmas present and write us an honest yep. five-star rate. Give us an honest five-star rating and review. They can go to Apple iTunes and do that for us for, for the chance, the chance of a lifetime for their review to actually be reviewed by us. What a Christmas gift that would be for some lucky listener. Eh? <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> All right. All right, Jaquel. Until the Christmas extravaganza. This has been Age of Minority.